Gay thoughts. We all got them. Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, unexpected. And the show is officially broken. I cannot, I cannot understand why your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I got a couple ideas, These motherfuckers. Shit. They're like, is it fucking Tuesday again? Every two weeks, these t- assholes are out here. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for part two of SummerSlam 1992. How's everyone doing? I, I don't know now. I mean, <laughs> I'm good. I'm having a I'm lot good. of conflicting thoughts thinking about like SummerSlam 92 now. Push him down deep down inside. <laughs> Never <laughs> let him out. Don't let him out. <laughs> Never again. Never again. Ah. So let's get to the next yeah, match. Let's get right back into it. Sure. Here we are. Bushwhackers with their wonderful pre-tape. But you know it's not wonderful. This next match. The next match. Uh, There's I'm one gonna, wonderful thing about it. I'm going to get all my feelings out of the way. because I Get hope, it. Because, okay. Um, <laughs> I was a huge fan of Crush when I was a little kid. Every little kid, when you played wrestling with your friends, one of your friends had to pick up. Everybody picked a finisher. Yeah. Near one motherfucker to pick the fucking... Kona, Kona crush. crush. That bastard. That's you know who the bit. fuck you are, Walter. Yeah, that, anyhow. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, and like, also, he's a Whatever one of your friends did that, they're a congressman now. Because that <laughs> shit, fucking <laughs> crusher, that shit hurt. Yeah. It, was, it did not feel good. And when you're looking, you don't know how to fucking work these ropes properly. Uh, it's like the fucking uh, trapezius claw. That shit hurt if you didn't do it right. It's not as bad as Drew, who just declared this this super kick. The sweet shit music is finished, so he just start kicking everyone. <laughs> <Sweet kick. laughs> <laughs> fucking Drew. Um, but he's um, not even allowed on the show yeah. anymore, and he still finds a way to God, bring it down. The only thing that I uh, that I got a kick out of more than anything else, I'm sure you guys will appreciate this, is when demolitions collide. Yeah, that, that was, was the demolition. only thing I got a kick out of. I was like, well, get, look at these motherfuckers yeah. and different gimmicks go. Yeah, and I didn't care. I have more notes for this match yeah. than I thought I would. I don't know why but, you do. You know, I but, have, but uh, trust me, zero notes. I have, just that it's a stupid squash match that I, was unnecessary. My my note was, well, this match had a beginning, middle, and an end. <laughs> that's that's what you guys got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because let me tell you, besides Battle of Demolition and Crush Bra on here, I'm just going to read some of my notes here after I say that Crush is fucking mullet, dude. Like... It's like one member of Demolition cut all his hair off and just glued it to the back of Crush's head. <laughs> Here's some notes I have about Crush's mullet. It's the most incredible fucking thing I've ever seen. Crush's mullet is longer than the Lord of the Rings. Crush's mullet has more body than Lizzo. Crush's mullet has three different families living in the same tra- trailer park. It's about damn it's time. Fucking ridiculous. Like, cause it is like, it's like if you were to remove the back of his head, he has like almost like the most step-by-step dad haircut in front. Yeah, But it is feathered and teased and aquanetted out the back to where it's like wraps around his head to form a protective shell (laughs) when he gets struck in the face. (laughs) Kind of a fucking mullet. So, uh, this match was terrible. All it was was to serve as Crush. Here's the thing. As I remember Conan Crush, I had the the three-and-a-half-inch figure of Crush who... Was it it a a three-and-a-half-inch figure of Crush or was it a a three-and-a-half-inch figure of his mullet? The mullet was at least one third of the actual fucking 
figure. I mean, really, anything of Crush was a mullet. Even when he was DOA Crush years later, there was still a mullet. He just braided it. But uh, I, I remember this babyface run being longer than it was. It was less than a year. His babyface run as Conan Crush was less than a year. He was a heel in Demolition. Yeah. Then when they break Demolition up, he becomes Conan Crush from Hawaii now, brah. Right. Feather that mullet. And it lasts less than a year until Doink screw, ruins his babyface push. And he becomes Uber Heel Crush again with with Master Fuji. And there it is. And never to be a babyface anywhere but in his career again until he was a babyface as Chronic. Chronic. In WCW. That's but right. yeah, I gave this thing half of a mullet. Wait, wait, what, what, is, what did I write down here? Uh, I, get, I rate this match 0.5 mullets out of who gives a fuck. There is no <laughs> other mullet but crushes. <laughs> that is my That's formal. That's a solid score. I'll take that. All right. Main event time. Co-main event time. Co-main event. We actually get a recap that, again, as we alluded to earlier, it makes no fucking sense. No. It doesn't make any sense. Who's the babyface going to turn on? I could not understand the recap. Like, WWE has come such a long way on their recaps. Oh, yeah. Since this. Here's the thing. Because, let me just say, our next match is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. The champion, the Macho Man Randy Savage, against the Ultimate Warrior. Both baby faces. And it's a rematch from WrestleMania 7, which is undoubtedly the best match of Warrior's career. Easily. And, lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, Macho Man drags his ass to a more pleasantly expected performance than in this thing. But I, the match didn't need the fucking story. The match themselves until the very end didn't even matter to the fucking story no. they were trying to sell because they All you managed have to say is you got Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior in a fucking match, but yeah. you, you don't could, need a story around it. You could have got to your non-finish without this fucking story, still having the exact same match, and it would have probably be even better because I found myself actually pissed knowing that oh shit this match does end in a non-finish, doesn't it? Yep. Like oh fuck, like I, I don't it, I just want to see Savage drop the goddamn elbow and avenge WrestleMania Seven. We wouldn't have got there. Of course, you weren't going to bury the warrior like that. But, like, you didn't need... Fu- Flair could have wrestled Piper, who just came out and played the bagpipes. They could have had a non-finish. And everyone would have made they, the same they, amount of money, and we would have had a better show. They, did, they the, did have a non-finish. Yeah. 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 But in the recap package, we got to see uh, probably the worst uh, wrestling uniform in the history of professional wrestling, which is Ultimate Warrior <sighs> in his skin-colored... Leotard, fucking yep. weird. With, yep. with his, his muscles drawn on and a WWF logo over his balls. Yep, that's so strange. Like, why? Why is that a thing? <laughs> Here's the thing: Giant Gonzalez would show up less than a year later in the WWF, and you know Vince was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, hey, skin teller, airbrush muscles on skin teller. Jesus fucking lot of money. I thought you were going to talk about in the video package that I have is that one thing I didn't realize. The main thing I'm taking away. Is that so perfect in this is wearing a turtleneck with cut off sleeves, which may be the most 1992 thing to ever exist. They made them turtleneck into a fucking cut off muscle shirt. That's God, that's 1992 in, in a nutshell. It really is. Would you say it's perfect? Mm. Mm. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Uh, my, my thoughts are real straightforward as they typically are. Uh, it, at the end of the day, the funny thing about this match is the angle, the storyline didn't matter. Nope. At all. It was almost inconsequential. It had zero relevance. It actually took away to from the match, it I think, yeah, at a point. It was too distracting. Because, yeah. like, okay, I went into this that's going... that's all they talked about the entire match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, going, okay, I don't remember this match whatsoever. I don't know how it ends. I don't know. I, I had an idea it was going to be a non-finish. I kind of remember, but I'm like, well, but I'm sure the match will be okay. But I'm thinking to myself, WrestleMania 7, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Top 20, easily. 
I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be a good match, hopefully. And it was surprisingly good. Uh, Warrior's doing what Warrior does, which is a whole lot of not much. Uh, Savage carries his ass through it. But the thing that... It's not the clotheslines, not the double clotheslines, because there's a number of them in this pay-per-view. Uh, it wasn't the weak sauce chair shot Flair gave Savage in midair. That's so fucking pissed. weak. Oh, I, I so rewound it like three yeah. times to go, did he really just fuck that up? Yeah. He yeah. like kind of... He botched the shit out of so that. It was so weird. I, I, I know bit. he didn't want yeah. to hurt him, obviously, no. but he, he could have done better than that. Anyhow, but what stuck with me, I've, I've been watching The Ultimate Warrior on and off for most of my life. All right? He's been around a long time. And I don't know why it took until I was 39 years old to realize the gravity of this fucking decision that this man made uh, that will forever change how I view him as a human being. And I'm not the type to sp- speak ill of the dead. Um, it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. But it takes a certain type of person uh, with a certain type of vision of themselves to get a fucking tattoo of themselves on themselves. And he's had that for a while, and I'd seen it before, and it never really registered to me. Like, I just, like, ah. But this is also the human being that legally changed his name to Ultimate Warrior. But to... What kind of person do you have to fucking be? To take an image of yourself. Think so highly of yourself. Think you're that goddamn sweet. And then have it tattooed in a place where you can fucking see it. <laughs> Every day in the yeah, mirror. Yeah, you ain't covering that up. No, no, not with biceps like that. Fuck that. Well, Jones, it's funny you should say that because... Dave Damn it, Dave. A, Dave has a tramp stamp. I do. But yeah, it's just, it's just the McDonald's logo on my shoulder. <laughs> oh just my pointing God, ass, just but... pointing my ass. No, I, uh, no. And I, I didn't, I was, I told myself like several times, don't go into the Ultimate Warrior on this show. There's going to be a time and a place for that. It's going to probably be WCW in the late 90s. <laughs> when we cover that When bullshit. we get to that horseshit, which is going to happen. We can't not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only going to do it for a smidge for a little bit here. But as we have documented on this show, I don't fucking like Lex Luger whatsoever. No. But despite all of the fucking problems I have with Lex Luger, Lex Luger reasonably has not done a lot wrong to me personally or to maybe <laughs> groups of individuals maybe based off of race or sexual orientation like publicly but the ultimate warrior fucking has and the ultimate warrior is i don't understand why he comes back and i'm just gonna uh, you know what i'll okay, fucking let's go do for it, it. we I'll can go see it in your eyes all right all right get him started why is he allowed to come back after all that shit just because he died are we gonna ignore all of this shit like, just because he, he, in a very mysterious way, gets inducted into the Hall of Fame one day, comes out on a Monday Night Raw two days later, and is dead the next, dead day. The next day. We're going to yeah. ignore all the homophobia and all of the fucking weird, like, conspiracy theory, super right-wing bullshit that he said for decades. Yep. All the way up in there. No, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to forgive Hulk Hogan for the shit he did. Nope. And I'm not going to forgive Ultimate War, because not, though I am neither black nor gay, I know people and love people who are black and gay, and I cannot, out of good consciousness, love people who take shots of people who are black or gay and that includes the butt fucking ultimate warrior and I mean that in the most 
hateful way I could say that about his fucking ass. And despite of all that, despite of how I actually feel about this motherfucker, who not only that, but was given the entire fucking world on a platter. He's the one guy that beats Hulk Hogan in the height of WrestleMania. He's the one guy who gets the fucking comeback multiple times, beats Triple H in 25 seconds at WrestleMania 12. He beats the fucking saves Hulk Hogan, gets the main event for the WWE Championship, despite all of the bullshit he does, I'm still fucking upset that Randy Savage is so fucking good at his job at being such a good all-time underrated motherfucking wrestler that he not once but fucking twice drags the Ultimate Warrior into an all-time class the two best matches of the Ultimate Warrior's career and I've still found myself emotionally invested in the match despite <laughs> the fact that I fucking hate him so now it's not a great time to show you my Ultimate Warrior tattoo. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck. Well said. Well said. That being said, this match was Are you way glad? better. Do you feel better? You got that I out? I do. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's going to well up in me. You said you were going to do it, and there it was. It's going to well up in how, me. How long have you been holding on to that? Yeah, every day. I, here's the thing. I let it out day. every day. I scream at a homeless man. Just like, <laughs> Fuck you, Ultimate Warrior. Then I shake. And then we keep going. Oh, and my flashlight turns on on my phone. But no, I, I fucking... I, and we'll get there. Trust me. It's... I'm. This is me limiting myself on the fucking Ultimate Warrior. When we get to WCW and NWO and that fucking shit. Oh, by the way, one of the wrestlers on this show has his life irrevocably changed because of an Ultimate Warrior stunt that no one tells him about in a trapdoor hidden under the ring, and that's largely attributed as to why we lost him. Well, maybe we'll talk about it now. We'll talk. Maybe we'll oh, I know where you're. We'll going. talk about yeah. it fall brawl in 1998 if yeah. we ever get to that fucking bullshit. But despite the fact, goddamn it. I'm not going to talk about how much of a piece of shit the Ultimate Warrior is, but my god, there is no amount of good fucking things that you can say about the Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, the idea that he fucking, like, oh, Hulk Hogan's going to fuck right off. Sid Vicious, who is given the entire fucking world, wants to go play softball. Fuck him. The Ultimate Warrior wants to do cocaine and, and get a tattoo of himself. I'll fucking deal with it. I'll carry the entire goddamn thing on my back. And he fucking does. And he makes a fucking believer out of every single motherfucker in this entire... And he makes the Ultimate... Like... To the point where he does, he's so over as a motherfucker that he can actually make the crowd start to boo him. Yeah, it was fantastic. And yeah. then cheer the fuck out of him when he goes off the top, and it's it's incredible. Randy Savage. Because he's a fucking legend. By '92, Randy Savage was a fucking he was a legend. Yeah, he cemented himself I, in that untouchable, spot. Untouchable. At that point. Untouchable. Regardless of the 28-minute uh, cocaine enraged bender that we got to experience right, in the well, ring. It was still a pretty solid match. A lot of cocaine. So, yeah. so there, there is a moment in this match, right at the beginning, <clears throat> when uh, Macho Man puts his hand out to Warrior. Mm -hmm. And is he going to shake it? Is he not going to shake it? Is he going to take it? Is he going to smack it away? What's going to happen? Bake it? Where are we gonna going with this? Just spit on it. Is he going to shake it and he's going to bake he's gonna it? Spin you know it right? around? Shake rattle and roll it. At that moment, when he does take it, Macho or Warrior, I can't remember, I can't, couldn't tell which one actually pulled in, but it was at that precise moment that the cocaine fucking hit. By osmosis. God. Two cocaine atoms fused inside <laughs> two human beings. It was, it was literally like the fucking bride from Kill Bill when the siren goes off. That was what was going on with the fucking mm -hmm. cocaine and Warrior. I've never seen a level up like that. Hit <laughs> that precise. I actually, I put in my notes, I give Warrior credit for finding the time where the cocaine hit just right. <laughs> 
It's like he hit the speed That's boost smart. in Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's like he hit the speed boost in Mario Kart. He was, he was going. He, he had got one, that gold mushroom. He, he, had, was fucking we, going. he had that one fucking mushroom, man. And it was... Uh, uh, but then all that to end in a count out. No title change. It was it sort of lackluster. Was. There was no payoff of the storyline leading up. I mean, Flair and Perfect were both out there. They both interfered, but... What you kind of knew was gonna happen yeah. anyhow. Yeah, yeah. that's what they were kind of. They were basically, in long story short, they were softening the idea that they were like, "You're not gonna get a, ma- uh, a finish in your WWE Championship match." Yeah. And they were trying to push Warrior heel, and he didn't want to be heel, and so they just went with it. You had you had one face win the match. You had the other face retain their belt. I mean, basically, what kind of like what other like feel good ending are you gonna have? Then they save each other. Mm-hmm. The, the only main takeaway that I kind of got out of this is is how. Bad I felt for Savage because you have to think in WrestleMania eight he wrestled Flair and beats Flair for the belt, but they're not on last because he's got to give it up to fucking Hogan and Sid Vicious. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, right. Man, Hogan must fucking pose at the end of that horseshit with the Warrior. So this is now two the two biggest pay per views of the year. Savage, who is in the WWF Championship match, does not get to close out the show. Now I know he has much more respect for Bret Hart than he does Hulk Hogan. But in a lot of the ways, I felt like this is Savage going, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm going to do what the fuck I can to get everything I can out of this just to kind of show up the main event, follow that motherfucker, which until the main event hits, this is the best match on the show. Yeah, yeah I mean, easy. part of it was, you know, you got to put Davey Boy over in the home crowd. Oh, there's there a, was that whole angle. There's a whole, there's so much the to that. We'll get to story that. Story. We will. Yeah. We will. But I, does, I, does the story involve <clears throat> cocaine? Not yeah. yet, Dave. Not yet. No, but mm. it, 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 there's there's some Not shit yet. coming up. Being fucked, as it uh, as it is there. <laughs> totally fucked. Uh, but as I, more Dave knows the deal. Oh, there's I more do. Crack than there oh, is there's a lot more crack up. than there is. So, oh, a lot of crack. So I think oh. at the end of the day, it was a it was a fine co-main event. Um, yep. uh, the finish Agreed. was weak. Uh, just like <laughs> Flair's chair shot. There, there, there was a double clothesline in this match. There, there was several in this I, show. You gotta respect. You gotta man respect yeah. the double clotheslines. I got. I, I had. I had fist pump for the double clothesline. Um, so one of several that we're gonna get. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose an idea, and I think. And, it, and I very easily could be thinking way too too far into this, but I think enough smart people were around back then that this could be a good idea, right? So, without going too much into the main event yet, but like, you know, like, Davey Boy's going over, right? So, it's going to be a big fucking deal with the hometown, home country crowd. This is a big moment for everybody in, in attendance. It's a big moment for Davey. Um, so, there's only two singles titles, right? You know, we and that the heavyweight title and our continental. It may sweeten the pot with two different matches that are babyface, babyface. It may sweeten the pot for Davy Boy to go over clean. You know, and make that moment matter more if there's no clear winner in Savage and Warrior. Yeah. Right. It makes and, sense. No, that makes that makes a but lot of sense. Actually, I, I never really thought about it. Yeah, Patterson saying, you know, hey, then they, but if he don't go over, then hey, but then then but the yeah, big boy wins, and everybody's gonna be good. Hey, I can hear him saying that. You know, just like that. Fuck, you ever heard him talk? I don't. You just uh, you just basically did Mario. No, I, I just no, did that. I, 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 I'm gonna lay awake tonight, <laughs> trying to think of what fucking voice that was. <laughs> you ever heard Pat Patterson fucking talk? With I him? have. I have lived Pat Patterson talking. Just fucking but what you and him smacking you in the ass. Yeah. Uh, but you go banana. Banana. 
Well, the Gaga and the such. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, w- I can see that being the logic. Because it makes the win at the main event, main event, more. mean more. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, also, knowing where they wanted, re- where they had the plan for Survivor Series and the Warrior Rumble to go, and it didn't fucking go, it made sense that why would you take the belt off of the Macho Man? Because you had every inclination to get the belt onto a heel warrior. The fact that you didn't, and you were going to have then uh, the idea of, okay, we're going to pivot, and it's going to be Warrior and Savage versus Flair and uh, Perfect at Survivor Series, and that's not going to be the indication... Uh, because Warrior is gonna fuck right off out of here over what is it? Comic book money is the the, the legitimate well, idea. The many reasons he fucks right off. Fuck, fuck him and fuck right off. Uh, is that they're gonna call a lot of shit onto audibles here? Um, so neither Savage nor Flair nor anybody involved in this match is going to be the World Wrestling Federation champion for more than a month after this show. For good reason. Ultimately, it benefits history. Oh yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, but we'll get there. Because we have our, our penultimate. I believe that's the penultimate match, right? Coming up? Yeah. Yeah, the penultimate match. First of all, before we get... Uh, the Vince announces the uh, full attendance officially is 80,355 here at Wembley Stadium, which means the actual attendance was probably 24 people. <laughs> 24 people. 24 hey, very They did people. a lot of mirrors to make that work. A lot of stuff. It was one row of just seats... The problem I have is that I took way too many notes on the next match. And I'm embarrassed about it. But we got to talk about it because our penultimate match is Kamala versus The Undertaker. And I want to separate this into two things, gentlemen. Because I want to have a definitive conversation on the back end. But on the front end, let's first talk about the fact that in 1992, we have a very young Undertaker. Who at this point has been in the WWF for less than two years and is already a former World Wrestling Federation champion. Mm-hmm. And he's still the fucking Undertaker, and he's still awesome in every possible way at this point in his career for sure. Still got a lot to prove. Paul Bearer's doing Paul Bearer thing yeah. and comes out in that sick fucking hearse. That's one of the most iconic Undertaker entrances. Yes. And it was like if that match was on the card in any other spot, it would not have worked because of when Nightfall hit on that day. As soon as it got real dark, like it is right now, like as soon as it was just dark enough, they killed all the lights, and then the hearse starts coming out. Incredible. And it's like that, like old school London single type spotlight, hearse. yeah, yeah it's on not the like hearse the one that's yeah. coming from the fucking church over here. It's like, all right, that's pretty dope. Yeah, and I mean. The downside is that the entrance was longer than the actual fucking match. Yeah. <laughs> but for good reason. It was pretty, pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> Knowing where we go in because... Terms of the action. But uh, it's one of the all-time iconic entrances for The Undertaker, no doubt. Agreed. Has anyone... This is the other half, and I want to have a definitive conversation right now. Has anyone really ever talked about how fucking racist Kamala's gimmick is? Um, I mean, I have. It is fucking... Brutal, dude. Do you, are you referencing by any chance from the Dark Continent of oh, Africa? Oh, God For damn starters. It. The, you dark know, con- the Dark man. Continent of Africa. They, 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 <laughs> they, they fucking said that in Imperial London. Like in fucking in the, in the United it. Kingdom. Listen, it was there. Like, yeah, we all I'm fucking wrote it. Don't shit. act like you didn't. I didn't write it. It was racist. I wasn't putting it on my notes. It is fucking brutal. It is awful. It um, is fucking brutal. Yeah. It is, It is. A, it, you know, the, 
the WWE, the WWF, Vince McMahon and company have a unique history with looking at uh, minorities and people that are different from them and demonizing or or making them the caricatures or or making them into funny gaga characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not talk about fucking Saba Simba. We ain't gonna no. even touch that shit. That shit actively pisses me off when I think about it. We ain't gonna talk about that. Talk about one of the fucking great wrestlers of all fucking time. You put him in Tony that Atlas shit. Tony Atlas and you put Get him in that shit. fucking just to be racist. Bullshit. Yes. Anyhow, <clears throat> I think that uh, Kamala served a purpose and it purpose was probably to make Vince laugh. Because he was a monster heel who was a savage. Because apparently in the dark continent of Africa, that's where the savages live. For Bill Watts, another one of Vince's rivals at the time in, in Mid-South Wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking thing. And uh, it's offensive. It's... I don't not like your neighbors, by the way. Yeah, not as offensive as uh, people with little dick driving cars. <laughs> um, but pretty offensive. It's pretty fucking offensive. It's, it's, it's like, I, it took me out of the match because, like, you... You look back on it now and go, the fuck is this? You know, people signed off on this. Yeah, no, there. I started to get really upset because I just paused while Kamala was making his entrance and just looked at the entire picture that they were selling to children Yep. at that time. And I stopped writing down after like six racist tropes. You realize there was more and I was just going to be spinning my wheels. The idea, first of all, that the least offensive part about Kamala's gimmick is downtown Bruno Harvey Wimpleman is the least offensive part of his entire fucking character. That's the least offensive part. Then you get into, I mean, between the face paint and the tribal gimmicks and the the the, the, this, this, the barefoot and the standard uh, every person of color that's not from heart of uh, America has to have a hard head and be impervious to pain, uh, but also has to be afraid. And the somehow finding a way to blackface a black person, which with I can't even find. I can't. How do they do it? And the fact that they used that the that the man who played Kamala for years has routinely come out and said that he felt taken advantage of uh, during his paydays uh, because he came from rural Mississippi and did not have much of an education. And how uh, there's an infamous time that they had a gimmick battle royal where someone won ten thousand dollars in a gimmick battle royal. No one got paid anymore, but no one told everyone told Kamala that he was going to get paid ten thousand dollars. So he went out and got a brand new car. Uh, and then when they put him over into battle royal and he got paid fifty dollars, uh, he was left holding a bag for this. This is a, a fortunate gentleman who lived his life knowing that his greatest... Con- they would never put him in the Hall of Fame. Not because he didn't deserve it, but because he was diabetic and had lost one and then eventually both legs in a wheelchair. And Vince McMahon doesn't want people in a wheelchair up on the Hall of Fame stage because it makes it look wrestling like it's dangerous. Well, Vince ain't fucking around anymore, no, so there, no. maybe uh, that might change. Maybe he'll get his thing, but it is, I just couldn't believe it. Like, to have the, the, the duality of here's The Undertaker indisputably one of the all-time legends of wrestling and i want to talk about that but i can't get over the yeah, fact that the disservice that yeah it's presented as uh, yeah, it, crazy it's it's again it's it's incredibly offensive but it, it's like in and this uh, that man this is a fucking conversation you and i've had i feel like at least me and mac have had at least once that growing up wrestlers if they if they weren't a white guy they lean into whatever they were mm-hmm. for fucking reasons because they were not creative enough or smart enough to be creative for these people if you're a black man man if you weren't shucking and jiving if you weren't a fucking criminal 
If you weren't a fucking rapper, you weren't a fucking savage with a fucking spear and a shield, you weren't anything. You were... You, you, you said, what about Virgil? Don't get me fucking started on that gimmick. He was a slave. Ah. Yeah. He was a slave there, there to is, a rich white there, guy. There is, and then him yeah. not being a slave was the big baby face turd yeah. at the time. Which he was helped, liberated in, in assistance by a fucking white by guy. By a crippled white guy. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, there's, he could have just fucking done it on his own, of course. It, it, was, it had to be a white savior in that yeah. instance. Tito Santana. Tito Santana, who to a certain, until the life, until the time of Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio was the most popular Mexican wrestler in the history of pro wrestling, maybe him or Pedro Morales, his finish was called the Flying Burrito. I mean, goddamn. I mean, it, it's, it just screams white people writing for everybody, everybody else. Everybody for else. people and cultures they don't understand. And, and Look at fucking Tatanka, which was the next match yeah. at the live event, which we didn't see in the U.S. But. Yep. So yeah, that, I mean that's that's all that's yeah. all, that's a whole thing. Um, but to transition, and because again, that's a conversation I can go on a fucking rabbit hole about. But uh, to transition to something a bit, you know, better about this match is take into consideration that the Undertaker, just like Noah said, he it's the cup of coffee he's been in this company. He went from in that short amount of time from being uh, maybe a slight like monster heel of the week, transitional villain to a fucking fixture who's about as over as anybody else on the roster is. It's pretty impressive, yeah. considering the gimmick. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we talked about it ad nauseum back in our Undertaker episode. It's like, in the archives. If you look at, like, when you go back and watch it now, you're like, oh, man, that's a green Undertaker, because, like, that was his mm-hmm. look at the time. That's like... It's that Michael Myers gimmick. fucking pro, man. Oh, dude, the, full, the whole... Like, through and through. The whole Michael Myers stomping, like, stalking... Come all the way down it. the highway. It was, it was fucking incredible. Oh yeah, that's why this guy had a thirty career, thirty year career. You know, there, there's something to be said too about that in this time, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of our of our podcast here today. The gimmicks were heavy right Super now, heavy. 1992. Oh, no and you know, and in traditional Vince fashion, if you are big, you're a big guy. I'm gonna push you. If you have a good gimmick, whether It'll last for a while or not. I'm going to push you. Mm-hmm. Undertaker had both of those things. You know, I mean, you could look through the the history of of wrestling, of big monster heels and and big wrestlers that you know had maybe the same entrance to the business as Undertaker, but did not last. Nope. a thirtieth of his of his career, and I think that kind of goes to to show just how much more he uh, he transcends. No, it's um, I. I, I wished he would have worked anybody else but Kamala, because the idea that the final three matches we get on this pay per view have the Macho Man Randy Savage, the Undertaker, and Bret the Hitman Hart, we should be celebrating this shit. They get three of the very best to ever do this in the last three matches, which would tell you where wrestling was and where wrestling is going. Yeah. In this match, that that that's like our our setup. Uh, but unfortunately, Kamala didn't want to bump. He takes two old schools and won't do it. Does take a nice choke slam bump, though. Yeah. Does take a nice choke slam, but uh, either the ref, who was very, very weirdly green in this match. It's the only ref... I went back and looked. It's the only match this referee ref the entire show is this match. And the fact that Wimpleman blatantly interferes that there's no DQ called and refs staring right at him means this guy didn't know what the fuck he was yeah, doing he was lost. going on. Uh, and we get, of course, the, a, a weird shit DQ finish with another weak finish. the Brooklyn Brawler dressed as Kim Chi 
hitting uh, the Undertaker with his weird ass safari hat, was, or the, the dark helmet. What's that Brooklyn Brawler? Brooklyn Brawler was Kimchi. I, didn't realize, I, didn't realize that. Yep. I thought he was just Moon Knight. Fucking jobbers, yep. man. Yeah, Brooklyn Brawler got to get on. And ironically, downtown Bruno, who through whatever innuendo you would want to have between the Brooklyn Brawler and downtown Bruno, why they worked for the WWF for so long, and what circles they were very popular in, found a way to latch on to the second-to-last match of SummerSlam 1992. <laughs> do what you got to do. But I give this match uh, 0.5 racist tropes out of 5. Okay. Despite the fact that the Undertaker's in it. So I just want to point out to you um, that this man, uh, Mark Holloway, who's stalking people around the ring as an, in, an invulnerable creature of the night mm-hmm. who's being powered by whatever is dead in that urn. In that urn. Six years later, is throwing mankind off a fucking cell. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. Sacrificing people six, on symbols. Just six years later, how much it changed. That's wild. Well, you gotta think, just to add in here, two years after this is the Undertaker versus Undertaker main event at a SummerSlam. Yeah. Where he's so over that he wrestles himself <laughs> in the main event. Only he can defeat and, himself. Uh, from, from the United Center. It's one of the first events that ever happened in the House of Jordan. Right? And then there you are, two years later, SummerSlam 96, he's defending the WWE Championship against Bret Hart. Two years later, he's on the highway to hell in Madison Square Garden against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Two years later, SummerSlam 2000, he's not on the show. No, you know. No. Can't but, win them all. No, but yeah. But it was in that weird American badass didn't need it time frame. Yeah. At least they didn't put him in WWF New York to eat a meatball sandwich. <laughs> oh. I can't wait till we get to the WWF New oh. York eras. We, yeah, th- we touched on on WrestleMania X8. Uh, but here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Right before we get to the main event, Roddy Piper shows up, which pissed me off. Not because he's one of my all-time favorites. Fucking Roddy Piper can do absolutely no wrong. But the idea that Ric Flair and Roddy Piper both showed up on the show and couldn't be bothered to wrestle each other is just fucking bad business, man. But, but we had nails against Virgil. And Virgil crushed and then we had Crush and Repo Man. But we couldn't get, even though they're getting a fucking paycheck. We couldn't get Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair. To go five minutes Apparently to a bullshit Five finish. minutes. Just five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Just to get that entrance and, the, and um, Roddy is a babyface fucking... Because you get the, at WrestleMania, the pay-per-view before this, he fought Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. Yep. He was the Intercontinental Champion. It was an incredible match and an incredible night. So, fuck it. But we, get, we do get Roddy Piper. So, ultimately, any show with Roddy Piper is still good for having Roddy Piper on it. Roddy Piper playing a Rowdy Piper. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, I like that. Piper. He did. Always sunny. Yeah. I 100 mm-hmm. fast forwarded through all that. I was like, I can't be bothered with this. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Because <laughs> you knew what was coming. Yeah, I needed it. Look, and I, okay, so I wanted to wait until we got to this last match to give my theory on why the crowd was so fucking hot. Okay, because like they were they were fucking ready for every fucking match. It was. And they showed up for every match even the bad ones and you know why I think that is that's because they were they knew every single match that had passed was getting closer to this shit yeah they were they only showed up for this yeah they were zamping up the whole time look I I cannot express to you the level only one other time in my in my wrestling fan like my life in all of our lives I think I can accurately state that we've ever experienced anything close to this we already saw it surpass but and of course it had to do with Bulldog and Brett United States and Canada. Yeah. When it's when it's really the national when it's when it's pride, the fans are there and they're ready for this shit. They were hungry for a show, a big fucking show. A big one. They're ready for their boy, Davy Boy, to do big things. Brett, granted he was, you know, 
little mixed reaction because it's fucking bulldog. Yeah. You know? It didn't matter who it was. Jesus could have come out next and would have got half cheers, half booze. Because yeah. yeah. he's not English. But it, you know, but I think that the crowd was hot every single match, even the terrible ones, because they knew what was coming. They knew a the, true they had main not event. Got there yet. And see, if anything had followed it, they would have shat all over it. Yeah. See, I thought you were just going to mention it was uh, Dana Hart Smith's promo before the match. So, I got sick pleasure out of that. Look, that, that was so <laughs> awkward to listen to. It was to. so bad. I felt, but I, I enjoyed it. it was so I, bad. I, put, I just put in here, bless her. Bless no, your heart. Uh, no, no, which is hilarious, by the way. But you could just tell they're like, all right, we got it, we got it. We have not talked about this match the entire show. And nope. for some reason, we've never before put Intercontinental title match on last on a pay per view. So we got to dedicate some. And so they had Bulldog come up and he cut a, a okay promo. It was very quick. I disagree. What? Bulldog's promo? Yeah. That was great. I have. Listen. There's a lot of crack in that yes, promo. Yes, Brett, you are my brother-in-law. I wrote this shit down. I felt this shit in my fucking soul. Because the lines made, they. I, it was real, right? He's like, you are my brother-in-law. But when I step in the ring with you, I don't even know you. And, I never and met we'll you. The you together. That shit, never just that line. You. That was like, fuck. Yeah, I love I Brett. Oh, God, I love Brett, too. And he's Brett, just like, what? Ahead. Of course I know you. I introduced you to my sister, even though technically four, five WrestleManias ago, in front of 100,000 people, we wrestled each other. No big deal. You know, it's, it's like the 58th match on pay-per-view but I, I that these two have had. So I, I love that, that, that promo because it, it gave, like, like a, it, it told the audience how serious Bulldog was taking this. It's, I see. I think that's one of his best promos see, he's ever done. That, that's just the point I was going to make. Is I think in the scale of Bulldog's career, it's top five promos, top easy, three. Easy. It, it, I think it's between that, the one we did on the Warlord about breaking the full Nelson before WrestleMania seven, yeah. and it's somewhere in the in the eating dog food with yeah. uh, you know uh, bullshit in ninety seven, right? Yeah. That's like the, him and Kevin Shamrock. That's your top three. I'm bizarre. Kind of a horseshit up in there in the corner, but in the in the scale of like normal promos, it's okay. The problem I have is that no matter how okay or even good it could have been, uh, the problem is that in history, on this night, there was nobody who wanted to do anything better or be better at their job than Bret Hart. Oh my God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Let nobody in the history of ever decided to go to work <laughs> harder than ever. Bret Hart no. did on this night. Yeah, Knowing what we would that. know of what happens in that match, and even in the pre-tapes, pre-tapes which were all done the day before, by the way, so before Davey went on his bender, and which is why the the Bushwhackers were in the middle of his bed there bed there when they did their Brett was like fuck it I'm staying in the zone. Brett had been thinking about this for months leading up to this. He had written the entire match out in his head and then every night laid in bed and gone over the match in his head, knowing that this was the moment he had. And if he fucked it up, he'd never get another shot again. But he, this was his and he cuts a promo, which even in the scale of Bret Hart promos isn't even in the top five. But it was the best fucking promo anyone's cut on SummerSlam in 1992. I will, I will actively say that, uh, and I wrote this, the only thing I wrote about his promo was, Brett is ap- actively not great on the mic. No. But when he's fired off, fired up and pissed off, it's Gold. he's great. It's he's yeah. great. He's, he, the he, problem is he's very rarely ever pissed off. No, he went, <laughs> he's not. He's never he's motivated Canadian. there. They're so late back. He's Canadian, you know? Because all of the emotion that we wish Brett would have had on the mic, he has in the ring. So it doesn't really, ultimately that's where he sold his tickets and did his money. And then after those two promos, and okay, to a great promo, then they cut to Diana because 
<laughs> because and she, and here's the thing. It's the, one of the only promos in the entire night that's live in front of an act, uh, the actual crowd. Everything else is pre-taped. They knew how long it was going to be. They knew how long they needed. And they're like, have Sean Booty make this poor girl babble. And then one of the most Canadian women she, in history. Oh, so Canadian. She is so bad on the mic. I, I wrote and he's and, just like, Okay, I don't really give a fuck what you're saying. Anyways, then as soon as Howard Finkel starts, he's he just he's using her to buy time yeah. until Howard Finkel starts. And as soon as Howard Finkel starts, he's like, "All right, Diana, fuck off. Let's go to the ring." <laughs> basically, uh, say that. He, your husband and your he, brother, Mike He's Sorry, he's he's sitting there with the mic, like, "I gotta get I, this. Has to end. This has to end. I gotta get out of this. We gotta get out of this. I gotta end this. I gotta end this. All right, it's over. To you. I just get fucking get it out of the way. Yeah. And like, I'm looking. At this, I'm like, just I, I, somebody just give her some fucking cue cards. What do you think like, behind somebody's head? Just give, like, give her the fucking cue cards. Give her something. Give her give something. something. This is this is still '92. They're still kayfaving everybody I in know. England. They're I still kayfaving, so they can't like give everyone a countdown live because they're just like, oh fuck it, Diana. She'll let everyone know the wrestling can't possibly be fake because how would you willingly let somebody that bad <laughs> be on TV? Well, you think that's why David Boy does does crack because he's like, oh, this bitch. <laughs> Do you ever read? I know no, the answer is no to everybody, but maybe you. Did you ever read Diana's book? Absolutely no. not. No. Do you want to know I'm how? Curious. Di- do you want to know how Diana's book starts? Sure. Bulldog dying. No, it starts with her in unbelievable vivid detail describing Davy coming home from a bender and having sex with her in a butt. That's how her book starts. Oh, you know which what? is immediately like where was this Diana at any of the time <laughs> I mean, they ever gave her a promo in WWF. No, you, that was your time to shine. I mean, After like Sean Moody's like Diana how do you feel? He's like I'll just hope Davey doesn't fuck me in the ass. I mean it's baby face ever. It's a page turner. And it was. I mean the book immediately goes downhill after that. I was like no one getting fucked in the ass after the <laughs> I need to know how to get you I right out of the hook. Someone's starting to match hot, Diana. Damn. But I was like, where is where was she the entire this run and the whole Shawn Michaels beware of dog and the entire Canada thing and all of that? None of that shit. No, that's how her book starts. But it it did it didn't even have to do with the very awkward attention she was giving her brother in the ring at the end of the match. Oh yeah, a little a little too much. A there little was too there long. was a little yeah. bit too much Jamie Lannister and uh, and Cersei Lannister going on in there at the a end. Bit, a little like, it's like oh my god, this was so great. My husband won, but here's my brother who lost that I'm gonna hug way way more. You know, here's the thing: if you also didn't know that that she also knew that Davy had been doing crack 29 days out of 30 leading yeah. into this match, and that Brett the night before. Yeah, including. The night before, and that Brett is Brett Hart. So, with all of his flaws, which there aren't very many, but they are still present, that he's she's still the person he likes the most. She likes the most out of all eighty thousand people in this building. It kind of makes sense. But that being said, even though it, that I said that, and that Brett is still Brett, and I will do everything I can. In fact, it was still creepy as fuck at the end of the match. A little mm-hmm. bit creepy. It was a little weird, and it was weird that she had yeah. such a suede fringe jacket. So it's much. Like, it she was, was so much extra attention. Overly affectionate. It was. Doc, yeah. She was very Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. If she Dr. Sure Quinn was. Medicine Woman had written 70 pages about being fucked in the ass by the British Bulldogs, 
page one <laughs> where? to seventy. If that's the fucking Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman movie, fucking sign me up. Where, where, where is this? Where's where's where this? Where is this the whole time? All right, this is the whole reason we fucking covered this show in the first yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've had you a lot of fun. That. You got distracted by the apparatus. <laughs> I, I, a little bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it comes all the way back around. I like it. The question is: So you, um, you had not watched this show ever? No. Had you seen this match before reviewing? I had this? never seen this match before reviewing. What this. was your thoughts on this match? Um, so Jones and I were were hanging out one evening before I watched this match, and Jones said to me, "Dave, crack." <laughs> I think I did start it off kind of like that. Yeah, and I'm like, "What? Crack is whack, Dave." He didn't say that. I didn't say no, <laughs> but he he thought it. He thought it. Um. Watch the big pay. He goes, pay close attention to the beginning of the match, and see if you can find the moment when Bret Hart realizes where Davy Boy can't actually fucking remember he what's supposed remember to happen and what, what the match is. He's fucked. He's uh, fucked. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then realize what actually fucking happened from that moment forward. So I, I kind of had this unfair you know, conception of what I was watching while I was watching it because it wasn't even that I'm like watching the match for the appreciation of how fucking good these guys are going at mm-hmm. each other. And man, they fucking went hard oh, yeah. at each other. They really did. I was I was I was fucking in for every bump on, on this match. Um but I also had in the back of my mind that one of these two participants is fucked out of his mind. Yep. And the other one was Bret Hart's. <laughs> 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 and who who basically and and I was able to kind of pay attention to this too the number of times that Brett had to fucking slow it down from how fucking fast it was going how how smooth it was going despite anything that was despite going on despite everything that was going on just to make sure do you fucking know what's going on next what we're about to do next here and can you do it um was was just I thought was just amazing just the number of times we just would see just, all right stop hold headlock we're just Brett, gonna we're Brett gonna lock it up here. Down. Brett puts his head down. And I'm like, oh fuck, we're going to this next stage here, yeah. you know. But um, no. So it, it was hard for me to like be able to kind of purely enjoy it because I kind of saw behind the curtain a little bit uh, beforehand. But my God, was it a fucking good match? Uh, it was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, it is something. It's, it's regarded as one of the best intercontinental championship matches as well as one of the best SummerSlam matches ever. Period. I don't even look at it as, as, as in, in those spectacles just in terms of, of like a pure fucking wrestling match like everything that happened before on this pay-per-view was fucking freshman and junior varsity mm-hmm. and then this match was fucking pro. Yep. Like that's the difference of the quality of everything that came before that and I almost want to say like wrestling before that. Because when you, if you're in the back watching this match, and you have any fucking idea what's going on, you're like, oh, that's why that match went on last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys in the back are like, oh shit, that's what we should. And then like you're like, that's where that's I can't fucking do that, you know. Um, the the natural disasters can't do that. <laughs> not the Beverly that. Brothers can't fucking do that. Shawn Michaels can do that, no. right? Didn't really have to in his match, but you know what? You fucking see it now. Yeah. You realize where it's fucking gonna go, and and that match just just I mean was was amazing. It was so fucking good. That that match this match to be stands alone in history, as you get Savage and Steamboat at WrestleMania three, and it's like the wrestling in the United States 
or at least on this half of the planet, wasn't to that place yet. It is, was, and I think that's why Savage and Steamboat is lauded as, as well as it is. And then you get little flashes of it, uh, Piper and Hart at WrestleMania 8, and you get little, little bits here and there, but not until SummerSlam 92 do you realize that literally wrestling changes after that's the main event, that we stop getting the big lumbering guys beating on each other, and every time they go back to it after this, it fucking fails miserably, because wrestling changed, and this this is what people want to see. Two points to make about this real fast. One, in, in Tay DiBiase's book, he talks about being in the back watching this show. And how he, he, it was at this moment, watching this match, that he first thought about retiring. Because he realized he can't do what There's they no do no. for five more years after this with the damage that he's had through his body. So the, the that's the thought that starts going through his mind. And ultimately, uh, he retires a year later. Like, like And that's, yeah, like, that's the era, watching this and being in such awe of it. And the best quote I have ever heard anyone describe about the history of wrestling, and everyone can talk about uh, how Hulk Hogan drew an absurd amount of money. Yeah. And he did draw an Absolutely. absurd amount of money. Uh, and that when you compare the draw and the legacy of Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart, people love to point to the money of Hogan, uh, is that Bret Hart made this quote, and it fucking shook me to my core and realizing it's right. He's like, watch wrestling today. Nobody wrestles like Hulk Hogan. Nope. But everybody wrestles like Bret Hart. And it's that fucking match. That it's like, so yeah, you Hogan may have drawn more money, but wrestling changed because of what Bret Hart was able to do in the main event of SummerSlam 1992. That match today is like you take, for as good as Hogan and more as Warrior and Savage was, you take that match and you lift it up and you put it in the middle of an AEW WWE show in 2022. People are like, what is this horse shit? Some, like the big spot is someone catching a crossbody and giving a half shitty backbreaker <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the match because Warrior was exhausted and Savage couldn't do the backbreaker to himself. You take Hart and Bulldog and you lift it up and put it in 2022 and the match still blends in. Why? Because that match fucking inspired wrestling for the next 30 fucking years. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it it's likened back to the future when fucking Marty just goes off on the guitar solo during the fucking dance and just everybody stops and they're staring at him. And he's just like, yeah, you know, this might be... Uh, you may not like it now. Yeah, you may not like this now, but your kids are going to love it. Yep. Like, that's what this fucking match was. Yeah. It was... It was... People weren't fucking... They were ready for it because they're ready for, for the British Bulldog. They're mm -hmm. ready for their hometown fucking guy in a major fucking wrestling pay-per-view in their hometown with allegedly 80,000 people being there. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. At least 30. And, there was at least thirty people in that crowd, and and what they got was something way better than they ever thought they were gonna fucking get, and and they walked out of there different people, and you know I think it's important to look at if you look at the stakes of it all, right? So like in the moment, us as wrestling fans, we had no idea what the fuck was going on. Mm -hmm. Like it's a wrestling match, and it's a great fucking wrestling match, but if you look at the stakes, so the way they set it up like it's the British Bulldog and his fucking motherland comes out with Lennox Lewis yeah yeah. with yeah. no dreads British Bulldog had dreads Lennox Lewis finishes yeah. his boxing career with dreads I mean yeah I mean Lennox Lewis was was literally what like that summer won he won the gold medal, gold medal that yeah. summer yeah. yeah yeah. so I mean you can't sit there and say that it didn't leave a fucking imprint nope because <laughs> it did yeah but if you look at the family angle like, it's fucking personal, right? And that's what makes a great feud. Yeah. And that's what makes a great fucking story. 
is there's these personal stakes that are happening. Then you have, okay, how are we going to put Bulldog over in the fucking motherland? Let's make that the main event. Then it's the mindset of Brett, like, oh shit, this is going off the rails. Choreographed this for three and a half weeks. He forgot today what it was because he was blacked out with Jim the Anvil Nyhart last night. Goddamn Anvil. And, so <laughs> and, tw- and 28 to, of the 29 yeah. previous nights. <laughs> how am I, I going to carry this? But I know the stakes because I know what the reaction is going to be at the end of this match. And how do I push through that? And that's the fucking artistic side of it. Like, that's the that's the excellence of execution in Brett's brand. Like, he knows what it takes to get there. And he does whatever he needs to do to take it to that level. Knowing that he's basically carrying a dude twice his size... And to get it across the finish line, across the finish line, and then, I mean, it's it's fucking magical to see it executed that way. There's no retapes. There's no cuts. You get one he, shot. He didn't have a chance to stop halfway through and going, "All right, where do we go from here?" This was all fucking happening on the fly, and, and for not time. only yeah. for him to be able to salvage it, but to turn it into one of the all-time great matches. So basically, and then that's that's also, I, and I and we're all this podcast we can go a thousand other episodes and the entire time we'll talk about how awesome bret hart is okay it's not hard to do it's not no but we also gotta say that despite the fact that he was on a crack binge the natural talent of davy boy yes. smith to just dude, have a, beast. a total dude and let brett just tells him what to do in that moment and he can fucking do it without hurting bret hart or himself in a stiff ass ring in front of eighty thousand people with an unbelievable amount of pressure his natural talent was off the it's chart one of those things when you have that level of talent it's just you can do it on autopilot it's like yes. fucking mick foley yes exactly like what i was gonna say out, like he can still fucking do it. Just tell so him what to do. He's still going to climb the cage. Machine. That's the drill. Yeah. It was just is an incredible, an incredible concept. It's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. It re- it really is when you when you take all the elements into consideration, and you watch it back and you see what they're able to pull off. It's it's a masterpiece. It's fucking a miracle. Yeah. It really yeah, is. It is. Yeah. And, I, and Brett like, he slaved over that in his mind for a month. Like. How are we going to choreograph? What's the dance look like? And the, there's a spot in the match where he goes from the leg lock into the sharpshooter. Fucking and, so uh, cool. He even, he even like, it's it not to jump on you, but even he, he does the sharpshooter backwards. Then he switches it. No, no, and he has it right way. Then he switches it to the wrong way. And as he's turning, because he's so fucking good, as he's turning the bulldog over in the middle of the spot, he switches it back to the right way. Yeah. It's just like that's those little fucking things that Brett does. You don't even realize. You're like, oh, God damn it, Brett. Yeah. And I heard somewhere that he thought he woke up in the middle of the night at like three in the morning and thought of that spot in the match, like how he was going to flip over like that. And so he woke his wife up and fucking put her in the leg lock. Yeah. Like she let him do it to like, him julie make sure it was gonna work and he's like this is fucking genius <laughs> it, it, if only fucking davy could remember that god damn well you know it's not lost on me you know and i and i'm watching this man that's why i really wanted to tell when we, dave and i were hanging out the other night and i and i was like you know you watch these i'm gonna watch it you know tonight whatever i'm like all right i'm just gonna give you some context because i think it'll really paint this match differently for it's you it's completely different um but I want to put this in like a bigger perspective. Like I'm gonna, what did you say, Mac? Uh, piggyback, right? Yeah. I, I will never fucking say that shit again. But I'll piggyback off of what you said. Um, like the the level of importance of this match for Brett, the 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 wrestler or the performer. 
Not so much like, oh, this match has got to be good. Of course it's got to be good. Brett doesn't have bad matches, right? But he knew that, like, he's at the ceiling. There's only so much farther he can go unless he goes to the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and, and and so the importance of this match. Yeah, not just for him, but like his actual to carry career a match to show Vince that to show the the business that he can and do he this. He gets it and he can do it. Interestingly enough, within months he's heavyweight champion. You know, yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're going to touch on that here in a second, but here think about that too. Let's 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 go over what there was what Brett thought that this was going to do for him. He was going to, in let's say in a perfect world where Davey showed up clear-headed and they went into the main event and Brett had lobbied to be the main event, to go on last because he knew what they could do. And he had got Vince to show him a level of trust that Vince hadn't shown anybody but Hogan or Savage in the entire main run of the WWF and put me on last. Let's, let's just say hypothetically that it goes exactly as planned and Brett doesn't have to do this. He still goes on last. He, he puts Davey over, shows that he can be a good sport, and he puts himself in a nice position to be when they're looking for another guy to elevate. That's Brett. Maybe, yeah. maybe he does so well you can't deny him. But think about the circumstance. Knowing what we know about how fucked up Davey was and how Brett took a guy who had no business being in the ring that night, much less mm-hmm. on that stage in the main event, and did everything he could to turn it into an instant classic match. At the same time, the rest of Vince's world, Hogan is fucked up. We're getting closer to the steroid trial. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair's being weird. Warrior's time to fuck up. And, like, and everyone he's realized that he has in his star caliber is either gone or leaving or is getting older by the day. And here's this guy who with all these unreliable fuckers just took a crackhead and turned it into <laughs> the up. best match that yeah. Vince McMahon has ever seen. And he did it. And all of that. And Bret Hart is lauded for also being one of the most popular international superstars oh, of all yeah, time, time because of this fucking match. So here's a, here's a hypothetical question. So, we know that this particular match and the way that Brett executed was sort of the catalyst to him getting to the next level. Yeah. If this pay-per-view would have happened in Maryland like it was supposed to, that match was supposed to be Brett versus Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. Would Brett Hart be the Brett Hart we know if that would have happened? And not in the way we know it. I think history completely reverses itself. and goes. Now, what we do know... As we have got there, just to kind of add into the another what if, Dave, do you know what the summer, the Survivor Series main event mm. is coming up? The next pay per view. It's prob- a double main I, event. I probably do, but I'm not. I, I I didn't really go to like think to like look into it to remind myself. So go ahead and uh, and drop it on me. It's here. a double main event because within three weeks of SummerSlam, Ric Flair regains the WWF Championship from the it's Macho Flair Man. Flair and Perfect. Nope. Right? Nope. No. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. A month later, in a untelevised but videotaped house show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Bret Hart beats Ric Flair to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. Ultimate Warrior is fucked right off. And now the entire concept of their proposed main event, which was supposed to be Flair and Perfect versus Warrior and Savage, is now all fucked up. So now, the main event of Survivor Series is two matches. You have Ric Flair teaming with the very freshly debuted Razor Ramon against Randy Savage in a babyface-turned-Mr. Perfect. Which is funny because they mentioned Razor Ramon accidentally in the pay-per-view. Because he was on Superstars, building yeah. up his, his like his, his early wins. Yeah. And that they weren't... Like, like, like Vince corrected uh, uh, Heenan Bobby. when Bobby said it. And he goes, no, 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 not Razor Ramon. And he said, he said you know, something else. 
And they kept saying it over and over again to make sure that it wasn't. But yeah, I, I kind of thought that was interesting because I'm like, isn't this about when Razor Ramon's going to show up here? He yeah. should, like, nationally, yeah. the next week on Superstars. And then the main event that happens in the middle of the card, because apparently that's a fucking theme in 1992, the WWE yeah. Championship in the middle of the show, is Bret Hart defending the WWF Intercontinental Championship, uh, the World, the WWF Heavyweight Championship, against the newly crowned WWF Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. Because on the last Saturday night's main event, three weeks before Survivor Series, Shawn Michaels beats Davey Boy Smith to become the new Intercontinental Champion. Davey goes off into... He's gone. WCW. To be there when the Shockmaster debuts, actually. Which fucking is Shockmaster. Fucking incredible. And another part of the wrestling We should do a bonus <laughs> show, just a bonus episode, for like 20 minutes we talked about know, that debut. Way, the guy David Shockmaster. Shockmaster. Yeah. That yeah. fucking moment in the time fucking, still stays the all, with me. The all-time <laughs> moment in wrestling history. I, 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 have, uh, I have to admit, uh, at least once a year I watch that match, Brett and Sean Survivor Series. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's not even their best match, but no. it's so fucking good. It is so good. And the idea that I took all of these, the Ultimate Warrior fucking off on Vince McMahon. Uh, Hogan fucking off on Vince McMahon. David Boy being on a month-long crack banner, not being able to be trusted. Meanwhile, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart impressed Vince McMahon so that and this storied rivalry four five years before it would become the most infamous moment in wrestling history, the WWF championship at Survivor Series is Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels completely accidentally. And then it's fucking fate. Yeah. Is what that is. It's like, oh yeah, what's Brett's first pay per view championship? His first what is Brett's title first defense, official yeah. title defense on WWF pay per view? Is Shawn Michaels, and what's his last WWF championship match against Shawn, Shawn Michaels, Michaels at Survivor Series? Fuck, dude. And what it's was fucking the one, awesome? And what was one of them in the middle? Bob Backlund. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. There's, <laughs> there's Bob Backlund there, and Diesel, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, can you imagine having the fucking mental fortitude? To have prepared something as long and as hard as you did for your fucking brother-in-law. Yeah, that's right? your boy. At, <laughs> yeah. at home. And right in the beginning of the match, he just goes, I don't fucking remember. I Brother, it's gone. I don't know. And Can then you Brett imagine, just calmly just says, I got you, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> to just, to, because like, I don't know that I possess that in me. To not just have a moment like you mother, punching him in the fucking face, fucker. No. <laughs> like I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know anybody that does have right, that. Right. Yeah. No. And he just calmly, on fucking live, te- well, not live television, but in front of eighty thousand people, just go, dog. I got you. I got yeah. you, because he's a bulldog. You no. know. Yeah. No. We, yeah. We figured it out. No. Yeah. The. The, and the idea too, there's only one spot. <laughs> there's only one spot the Bulldog I'm fucks up. I'm laughing because match. you guys both did it at the same time, which is like, it's so fucking. Like, I was, I was happy to get one of you to do it, but the fact that you both, both did it and Joe's fucking cracked up at it, I'm just like, oh, it works. Yeah, Excellent work. Thank you. But nice. And Davey only fucks up one thing, and it's that press slam that Brett's supposed to go over the top, but Davey's. Too far ahead, and Brett hits the ropes, and thankfully doesn't yeah. split his dick. Oh, <laughs> and, and I believe Heenan makes some sort of. Oh, comment. he does. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. But oh, yeah, the idea too, and what I loved about it too, and this is I think where my whole idea that you're when you had said earlier in our review way back that you didn't think the commentary was super necessary is that by the time we get to this match, there's no storyline where Bobby Heenan's invested in the heel and the baby faces of people's shit, which is what he does in all this stuff. Oh, Reaper Man's the man, crushes the piece of shit. Or, you know, you gotta be fair to Flair. He has no dog left in this hunt. 
So all Bobby and Vince have to do is put over these guys. Yeah. And the fact that it's just fucking incredible. And that they do. And and, and the, the whole time he ends like, what a match. What a match. He's just like 12 minutes yeah, in. He's, he's like, he's, what a he's match. He's enjoying the shit yeah, out of it. Yeah, it's this. like, oh, oh yeah, look, there's this people liking wrestling here. And Vince McMahon, all the way up here. This is one of the greatest matches we've ever Vin- seen. Vince, like, sounds, a Vince sounds like yeah. he's got Hornswoggle just hanging off his nutsack during the entire duration of it. Just fucking swinging. You know, which is the <laughs> only way visual. I can think. <laughs> the only way that I can think that his oh, fucking man. voice goes up that high is that somebody is just clamped onto his testicles and just won't fucking let go. That could be Linda. I, I don't know, but it's fucking happening. Somebody got him. Yeah. Just reaches down with a handful there. It's actually so funny. All the way back, uh, I noticed in the very opening match of the show when the LOD comes out and they, they take, the, you know who takes their shoulder pads? A very young Tony Chimmel. Smashdown announcer for years. And now I'm imagining it was Chimmel that was holding Vince's balls. <laughs> Chimmel's got my nuts in here. What a maneuver. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm make a, a, and I think I'm, I'm pretty correct on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the entire fucking match, I mean, the show obviously, but that match, I'm pretty confident the crowd was loud the entire fucking time. Oh, see, that's, that's time. The thing. There was no slowing down. The entire match. Yeah. There was no like a little quiet down because there was a headlock. They were fucking just fired up the no, whole fu- yeah. Every chin lock. They every were ready. Every little bump they were popping for. See, no, actually, and just to add on to that, the crowd is hot the whole show, right? Right, yeah. But when the match starts and the, the theme songs end, then, like, the horns come out and it becomes yeah. like a soccer crowd. Yeah. Like, cool a, like a World Cup. Yeah. Like, oh, they, they went from being a hot wrestling crowd to they're an English crowd yeah, now. It's, it's just yeah. England. Yeah. And they were ready for right. full That's what, what they're waiting for. Yeah, they just waiting oh, for. It's, it's like someone, like, letting their gut out. They're like, oh, all right. And Brett's yeah, like, fuck it, I'll, I'll, yeah, oh. And he just, towed that heel line perfectly, bro, just oh, enough. Yeah. His and, facial expressions, looking at the crowd, like, you know, and but idea, not too much. The idea that, like, the fucking match is over and they don't play Bulldogs music, which I've, to this day, fucking, it's one of my all-time favorite finishes, the sunset flip and the hook yep. the legs and a one, two, three. Clean. It's fucking genius is mm. what it is. It's a genius finish. And it's a one, two, three, and the crowd goes fucking crazy, and they don't play the music. And they they say they say the announcement, but they hold off on the music until they let Brett start. And Brett doesn't fucking pout. He will eventually, years later, be <laughs> very famous for pouting. But he goes to leave, and the crowd boos. And then crowd Brett steps back in, and the crowd's like, "Oh, maybe he's an nice guy, right?" And then he goes to leave, and the crowd <laughs> fucking boos him again. Then they hug, and then you cue the fucking music, and it's like then fringe jacket Diana gets in and starts incesting all over. Oh what, my he God. looks at Brett. What are you doing, step bro? Like that's fucking whole thing. Uh. And, but they wait until that moment, which is like, oh, it's fucking whoever was on the music cue at that moment was just like, just just wait for it, wait for it, boom. And then and the entirety of England came at the same time when they hugged. It was it was magical. Fish and chips. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna a pose, malt this, vinegar on I'm gonna pose a question a to the, to the table. So All right, because <laughs> I leading up to the show and thinking about uh, this match and the importance of this match, and uh, you know, when it was a Bret Hart match, so you got to kind of go over like his legacy and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we can go over, we can talk about Bret Hart for fucking hours. And we will. Unfortunately, we, and we will, and we have. Um, we got to talk about that. I'm not talking about Bret Hart for hours. That this is the fact of the matter that. Have we got a chance to fucking really do a good Bret Hart match? Or even kind of any Bret Hart match? Fucking all this time into this show, and we finally get to do yeah. a Bret Hart match? And coincidentally, it's one of the fucking most masterpiece matches ever? We fucking waited. Talk about waiting to bust your cherry. Yeah. So, Pop that bad boy. Mm. I, okay, so I've been thinking a lot about his character, right? The thing about Bret was, like, yeah, it was a character. It wasn't really him, but it was him. 
You know, Brett took yeah. his shit far too seriously, to a fault. But it worked for him, obviously. So, I started thinking to myself, I can't, right now, today, mainstream professional wrestling, the, the big two, big three promotions, I can't... The thing that made Brett awesome, outside of the fact that he was great in the ring, is that he was not the biggest guy, he was mm-hmm. not the fastest guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't necessarily even, like, the most technically sound technically guy. But he feared no one. Brett feared no one. And it wasn't like he like would puff up his chest and get in someone's face. It wasn't that. It was a cool, calm confidence because he knew what he could do. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I will just ex- excellently execute you. Like I'm just going to break you down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle the legs. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I don't think there's anybody in wrestling who has that, has that gimmick, has that character, that, like... I'm a technician. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm. A, I fear no man. Not to the believability that yeah. Brett was able to do it. Yeah, and a it's lot a shame. More shit talk now today than there was. In, yeah. in terms of the lack of delivery. Can you think of anybody? There's one. Only one person that comes close, and it's Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson. And I think but he was a lot of Gaga. No, no, no. But I, I think that's where he is now. That's like because you because I think where he is now is the is, is closest that we're ever gonna get again. To Bret Hart is where Brian Danielson is today because we went through the whole Brian Danielson Ring of Honor, which I want to make the comment that can you that we are uh, as we record this fourth wall break uh, about a day away from Brian Danielson once again becoming uh, a world champion and a decade after CM Punk dramatically leaves the company. It's the third decade in a row. It's going to happen. It's happened in Ring thing. of Honor. It happened with the big Yes movement at WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to happen again. But where we are now with this Daniel Brian Brian Danielson is like that super technical, super story-based, none of the other gaga bullshit, wrestler's wrestler kind of a shit. The problem is it, because he spent so much time in a WWE that frankly wouldn't let him be a wrestler's wrestler until it was far too late, that he's not... He, now we're on the very end. We're like not in the back yeah. end. We're yeah. at the very end of his career and we're finally getting that shit, which is like ironically where we were in 97 with Brett. Right. That we didn't get because then Brett went to WCW and he might as well not have had a career. Well, it, you know, you, you talk about Brian Danielson and and then WWE Daniel Bryan. He didn't have the guys that he could do that with. No. You know, there's there's a lot to be said about the the caliber. Like, if he was in WWE right now, there's plenty of guys he could do that oh, with. Oh, Seth Rollins. Oh, my I God. Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. Uh, this, and you bring Cody Rhodes. Bring in. There's a lot of guys. There's, oh, yeah. There's, there's a, lot a lot of guys, guys. who yeah, could I mean, go every, ahead. Every Carmelo Hayes. Guy who yeah. reached that echelon hasn't done it by themselves. Yeah, like you gotta have somebody. You gotta have a dance partner, and even yeah. and all the crack aside, <laughs> Brett needed Bulldog. That was a lot yeah. of crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, like we're talking every damn day for a month. That's a lot of fucking crack. That's a lot of crack. It's like five hundred yeah. days of summer. No, five hundred like days, days of crack. crack. That's not like a casual drug either. It's like, no, no. you got a fucking you problem. Gotta, you no, and you gotta realize that, like, and we don't have to. And listen, like the Bulldog is a story in himself of the excess of the '80s wrestler. And where it leads to, if left unchecked and uninhibited. And the fact of the matter that he still was able to binge crack for 30 days, put on one of the greatest matches of all time, and still got work consistently until yeah. the end of his days, right? Yeah. Until, the back, until his injury, which I alluded to earlier, yeah. forced him to go so far down the rabbit hole that he couldn't take a bump anymore. But the idea that he, that still at that point, that that he could not that there was no apparently there was no amount of crack that could make the British Bulldog into a bad wrestler. He just did not know how to wrestle. He didn't yeah. know how to get to get the engine started. But that car could self drive. And I think that's important. 
important concept. Oh, wow. Agreed. Gentlemen, yeah. hell of a match. Hell of a show. Uh, because of it, well you now let me ask you this you yeah. take you take this match off yeah and you put uh savage and warrior in its place mm-hmm. card is exactly the same except you swap this and you take this match off do we ever talk about SummerSlam 1992 do we ever talk about wrestlemania 11 i don't think so that's a great point the fact of the matter that brett's on that show and he wrestles the second longest reigning champion in the history wwf and no one talks about it says a lot. The show sucked. Yeah. It was not good. And and honestly, this show I it would have been one of the many fucking shows that exist that we don't talk about. Agreed. It was very underwhelming. Yeah. This show in 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 a lot of ways. Um but, you know, they had the foresight to say uh Intercontinental Championship main event and put this on at the end of the show. Because could you imagine, could you imagine if they fucking had uh, Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and then uh, British uh, Bulldog and Bret Hart flipped? Yeah, if this was could, a mid-card match. Can you like, imagine if this was the mid-match? The the oh my <laughs> god. No, the, I could not imagine the, the English crowd turning on everybody. And here's the thing, too. Imagine that they just flipped them. Then that would have been the second major well, pay-per-view in a row. That ends in a non-finish in the main event. It would have killed. It would have, would have been dead well, in the water. I, I, dead I, in the water. I think back to the uh, Royal Rumble we went to in Pittsburgh. Yeah. When Daniel Bryan wrestled Bray Wyatt in the opening. first opening match of the night, Incredible. crushed the fucking match. It was the best match of the night, and basically ruined the rest of the pay per view. Because again, we were all expecting Daniel Bryan to come out in the Rumble. I still he, feel bad for Rey Mysterio. Oh, Rey Mysterio did not deserve what we did to him no, that he night. He did not. He and, did. And, I, and I, again, not to make another Jesus reference, but we said at the point, it does not matter if the if the ceiling of the arena opens up and Christ descends down in the middle and gives everyone a billion dollars. We're booing the fuck out of you if you aren't Daniel Bryan. <laughs> yeah. And we booed Rey, Rey Mysterio. Didn't deserve he, that. At I'm all. sure that, that that was not a good night at the office for no. him. No, no. Doesn't remember that Rey Mysterio. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's Rey Rich. He yeah. doesn't give a fuck. I just kind of often think about it at that night, which we are absolutely. Oh my god! Like, uh, like I just, I just want one time for him to call her Mamacita, like one time, right? Like, give he me called a, her mommy. Yeah, give me the, give me the Eddie thing, just a little bit. Like, you aren't my real dad, and then he just does this with a fucking <laughs> shimmy. Incredible. But w- we are gonna cover that show one day. Okay. We have to. We have to cover that show. And I just want to ha- take a moment. And I'm going to put it now, and one of our diehard fans can remember that I said this. I want to pause at the moment that CM Punk gets choke slammed through the announce table and lays there, listening to everyone in the city of Pittsburgh boo <laughs> as hard as. And the moment he decides that he's done with this fucking shit. <laughs> this bullshit. <laughs> and I just want to all take a moment. It's like that's the day that the music died for him, and we killed it. I'll take, I, I'm okay with that. I know you are. I am actually. We have yet to get a major pay per view since. No. I'll take some pride. No, we've, we've, had, we've, had a a few, we've had a few little pay per views. Here's in there, right? We've had a couple sprinkles. We had a lot of Raws and SmackDown. We've we right? top four. Yeah. We've not had a yeah, top we have four. Not, we've not got a big one. He will not do it again. No. He, they will not do it again. Well, Vince is alive. Vince is, it's like the spawn well, when Machine Heart stop. Then, you know, the, the the virus releases. Maybe when Vince McMahon's heart finally stops, we'll get a major fucking pay per view again. But until then, until then, guys, speaking of major shit, guys, we got a fucking live show coming up we, on October 1st. Yeah. Somebody decided to give us a platform. Someone? Do, you, 
Do you think they actually listened to this show <laughs> they before they decided? Do you really think no they way did? They did. And like, let's listen to one episode, and they listened to one that they listened to like the third episode. I'm like these yeah. guys are. Right. I kind of think like what's like, I'm gonna ask you guys this question, and don't answer. But I want you to think: What's our worst episode? Now, what's our best episode? What's our worst episode? Because that had to be the one they listened to. I don't know. Maybe they were like, "These guys tell everyone to fuck off all the time." Like, <laughs> we, that'll be really entertaining. We 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 need we need some of that on a Saturday night. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, like some 6 people, p.m. People yeah. need to start going home. This will this will do it. <laughs> they we'll may hide out the door. Over spot. They have this vision of of the bands driving people into the panel room to get away from the noise. And then they come to us, and we just make so many common fuck jokes that they go back out to the bands and buy money at the bar and the merch stands. So we're actually a part of, we're like the mid-card. We're yeah. there, we're the popcorn uh, I, deal. And I'm excited for the rest of the panel on After Us, Dungeons and Drag Queens. That sounds fucking awesome. That, that sounds is. interesting. I mean, we're the lead into that. We are. We are the we're the warm up man. And I plan to be at least two beers deep before we get off of that stage. So I'm gonna be in the perfect audience mindset for dungeons. I'm gonna walk right off stage and sit in the crowd and be like, I look forward to the moment where a a mother has to explain to her um, you know, twelve year old son who just kind of casually, incidentally walked Walk in, in and say, Mom, what is tasteful bukkake? <laughs> Because Noah just went off. Went is off. there such a thing? There is. And we're going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> I feel strongly about this. I'm going to say it very quickly. For the Monroeville Convention yes. Center, Saturday, yes. October 1st, Pittsburgh 6 p.m. Gaming Expo, ladies and gentlemen. Dot com. Fucking be there. Yeah. Please. It'll be a good time. We'll be there. Yeah, we will be. And we want you to be here each and every Tuesday-ish for yeah. more episodes. Listen, it's got a little more relaxed, but also, fuck you. Are you doing this show? No, you just fucking sit there, taking a shit, driving your fucking car at the same time. We gotta fucking do this. Right? <laughs> fuck you. I don't care. Oh, I hope you enjoy boy. the show while you're doing those yes, things. Yeah, yeah. First of all, have yes. a great time. Thank you. Okay. Send us a tweet. Yeah. A, li- a live tweet while you're doing it. But yeah, Just wash no. your fucking hands. We right? get, we, no, we don't did. be even. Last and it's espresso. Yes, it's it's fucking espresso. <laughs> Just imagine the number of times somebody's probably listened to our podcast while taking a shit, <laughs> and then and then they gave their phone to somebody to look at something else. You know, <laughs> and we're all sort of just fine with that. It's it's perfect. It's perfect. So That's one hundred percent what I was just about to say. Now, it's where we are now, we, man. We do what we do, and speaking of which, last week we had mentioned the, the Noah's meat, the wheel <laughs> that we spun to decide what our follow up episode after SummerSlam '92 is. But also, fuck you, we do what we want. So we're putting Steel Magnolias on hold because next week, gentlemen, briefly, 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 what are we going to talk about? Oh, we are going to talk about the fucking masterpiece. We're talking about Emmy-nominated, I think, like, for Best Screenplay. That would be Academy Awards. Fucking- <laughs> you know this movie's so fucking all over the place. This, it uh, also got nominated for an Emmy and a Grammy. Yeah, it's yes. definitely a Golden Globe. They were yeah. Saturn it, Awards. It is, it, is, it, is, it is one of the greatest fucking <laughs> worst movies I have it's ever witnessed Saturn. in all of my fucking existence. Mm. We are going to be talking about, in some level of depth, about Street Fighter the fucking movie. Yes. You, you know what's really great about this, guys? A common thread that I did not think I was going to fucking experience when we were prepping for these uh these two back to back again in a common thread cocaine it's the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> but it's just like for jean-claude van damme goes cocaine will follow it's like breadcrumbs 
Coke everywhere. It's how you get. We got John Claude Van Damme. It's incredible. The the face that he makes in Bloodsport is the exact same fucking face Warrior makes when he has that handshake with Macho Man. That moment the cocaine hits, right? It's, he doesn't make the cocaine face. The oh, spoiler alert: the cocaine face does not show up on Jean Claude Van Damme the entire Street Fighter movie because Rod Julia stole all the <laughs> cocaine that shit. Listen, there he shot it right into his hat, Paul. Fucking right in. Go back, watch, if, if you've never seen Street Fighter, go back and watch the movie just knowing that Jean-Claude Van Damme was on cocaine the whole time, and then realize when you're looking at his face, that's what cocaine looks like. That's it a makes, cocaine all, face. It makes yes. a whole lot of fucking it's a, sense. It's, 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 uh, it's, but he's also like trying to be chill about it, whereas Bloodsport, he just leans into the cocaine. Yeah. Double yeah. impact, he leans into the cocaine, but this movie in Time Cop, he's like, he's, he's so over doing cocaine, but he's still doing a ton of it. <laughs> so he's like trying to remain relaxed. He's like, uh, Bison, tell Bison that I'm fucking coming you know, for this, you. I, I mentioned this to, to Mac when we were talking about the movie the other night. I'm like, you know, I, I didn't realize. God, we're dip, 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 dipping into this fucking movie already, but almost all of his lines are like a sentence. That's all he can remember. That's yeah. all he can, I'm like, there's yeah. no way that was the fucking script. No. no. I feel like he was just spitballing that shit. Yeah. They just said up there's like, all right, this one goes to Kylie Minogue. This one goes to Ming-Na Wen. Uh, save this one line for Jean Claude Van John, hit your line. He's like, Ted Bison. I'm fucking <laughs> coming for him. That's it. Like, Listen, I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> I, I have a lot to say about Jean Claude Van Tam's dialogue in Street Fighter. Way more than I ever thought I was ever going it's to. It's not good. Oh my god. But then when you take it for how terrible it is, it is so fucking good. <laughs> it is one of the worst best movies I've ever, or best worst, whatever fucking movie. They're both right. They are. It's <laughs> both right. The movie is so terribly well casted. It is like ridiculous. Oh. Like, I fucking hate the casting for half of the cast, but it looks so fucking on point. And the other half, like, the idea when you cast Kylie Minogue as Cammy and she looks exactly like Cammy, but you somehow in the exact same respect to make Jean-Claude Van Damme who Guy, who's an American with a Belgian accent and don't even <laughs> just like dye his hair blonde. Why does he gotta be a redhead? Guile's a blonde. It made no fucking no sense. sense. But then you got West Study being a better Sagat than we ever fucking deserved in the entire movie. It's fucking incredible. And then Raw Julia. We will get into that in great detail oh. next week. Oh, we're excited to talk about it, and we are, ladies and gentlemen. October 1st. Yes. PGX. Be there. Be there. Live in person. Yeah. See, there it is. Doc said it. Say it again. Fucking Doc. Yeah. Did you say you're going to fuck someone at PGX? What? No. I said be there or fuck you. Or he will fuck you. I heard him say that. Listen, if Brad Whitfield shows up, both might happen. Oh, my God. There's going to be some some things happening at PGX. And this is what it will sound like. Son of a bitch. Shit. Look how long this fucking keep going with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was.